Captain Craig Section 2 by Edwin Arlington Robinson read for librivox.org by Subhash Chandra www.subhashsings.com Yet that ride had an end as all rides have and the days that followed after took the road that all days take though never one of them went by but i got some good thought of it for captain craig not that i pitied him or nursed a mordant hunger for his presence but what i thought what killigrew still thinks an irremediable cheerfulness was in him and about the name of him and i fancied that i may be most of all for the jokes he made that i have saved his letters i like to think of him and how he looked or should have looked in his renewed estate composing them they may be dreariness unspeakable to you that never saw the captain but to five or six of us who knew him they are not so bad as that it may be we have smiled not always where the text itself would seem to indicate responsive titillation on our part yet having smiled at all we have done well for we know that we have touched the ghost of him he tells me that he thinks of nothing now that he would rather do than be himself wisely alive so let us heed this man the world that has been old is young again the touch that faltered clings and this is me so think of your decrepit pensioner as one who cherishes the living light forgetful of dead shadows he may gloat and he may not have the power in his arms to make the young world move but he has eyes and ears and he can read the sun therefore think first of him as one who vegetates in tune with all the children who laugh best and longest through the sunshine though far off their laughter and unheard for it is the child o friend that with his laugh redeems the man time steals the infant but the child he leaves and we we fighters over the old wars we men we sharers of the golden fleece were brutes without him brutes to tear the scars of one another's wounds and weep in them and then cry out on god that he should flaunt for life such anguish and flesh wretchedness but let the brute go roaring his own way we do not need him and he loves us not let music be for us the forward song and let us give the good world one more chance i cannot think of anything today that i would rather do than be myself primarily alive and have the sunshine into me for on a day like this when the chaff parts of a man's adversities are blown by quick spring breezes out of him when even a flicker of wind that wakes no more than a tuft of grass or a few young yellow leaves comes like the falling of a prophet's breath on altar flames rekindled of crushed embers then do i feel now do i feel within me no dreariness no grief no discontent no twinge of human envy but i beg that you forgo credentials of the past for these illuminations of the present or better still to give the shadow justice you let me tell you something i've yearned in many another season for these days and having them with god's own pageantry to make me glad for them yes i have cursed the sunlight and the breezes and the leaves 
to think of men on stretchers and on beds or on foul floors like starved outrageous lizards made human with paralysis and rags or of some poor devil on a battlefield left undiscovered and without the strength to drag a maggot from his clotted mouth or of women working where a man would fall flat-breasted miracles of cheerfulness made neuter by the work that no man counts until it waits undone children thrown out to feed their veins and souls with offal yes i have had a mind to blow my brains out sometimes and i have gone from door to door ragged myself trying to do something crazy i hope but what has this to do with spring because one half of human kind lives here in hell shall not the other half do any more than just for conscience sake be miserable is this the way for us to lead these creatures up to find the light or the way to be drawn down to find the dark again what is it what does the child say but let us not make riot for the child unthought nor let us hold that we may read the sun but through the shadows nor again but we forgetful ever that we keep the shadows on their side for evidence i might go back a little to the days when i had hounds and credit and grave friends to borrow my books and set wet glasses on them and other friends of all sorts grave and gay of whom one woman and one man stand out from all the rest this morning the man said one day as we were riding now you see there goes a woman cursed with happiness beauty and wealth health horses everything that she could ask or we could ask is hers except an inward eye for the plain fact of what this damned world is the cleverness god gave her or the devil cautions her that she must keep the china cup of life filled somehow and she fills it runs it over claps her white hands while someone does the sopping with fingers made she thinks for just that purpose giggles and eats and reads and goes to church makes pretty little penitential prayers and have an 18 carat crucifix wrapped up in chamois skin she gives enough you say but what is giving like hers worth what is a gift without the soul to guide it poor dears and they have cancers oh she says and away she works at that new altar cloth for the reverend theonimus mackintosh third person jerry jerry she says can say such lovely things and make life seem so sweet jerry can drink also and there she goes like a whirlwind through an orchard in the spring time throwing herself away as she thought the world and the whole planetary circus were a flourish of apple blossoms look at her lilies and roses butterflies great scot and here is in this infernal world of ours and hers if only she might find it out starving and shrieking sickening separating whirling to god knows where but look at her confucius how she writes and by saint satan she is galloping over to talk with us women and horse all ours but look just look at her by jove and after that it came about somehow almost as if the fates were killing time that she the spendthrift of a thousand joys rode in a turn with me and in her turn made observations now there goes a man she said who feeds his very soul on poison no matter what he does or where he looks he finds unhappiness or if he fails 
to find out he creates it and then hugs it. Pygmalion, again for all the world, Pygmalion gone wrong. You know, I think, if when that precious animal was young, his mother or some watchful aunt of his had spanked him with pendennis and Don Juan and given him the lady of the lake or cord and crease or almost anything. There might have been a tonic for him. Listen, when he was possibly 19 years old, he came to me and said, I understand you are in love. Yes, that is what he said. But never mind, it won't last very long. It never does. We all get over it. We have this clinging nature for you see the great bear shook himself once on a time and the world is one of many that let go. But I let the creature live and there you see him. And he would have this life no fairer thing than a certain time for numerous marionettes to do the dance of death. Give him a rose and he will tell you it is very sweet for only for a day. Most wonderful. Show him a child or anything that loves and he begins at once to crunch his wormwood and then runs on with his realities. What does he know about realities? Who sees the truth of things almost as well as Nero saw the northern lights? Good gracious! Can't you do something with him? Call him something. Call him a type and that will make him cry. One of those not at all unusual, prophetic, would be Delphic manger snappers that always get replaced when they are gone. Or one of those impenetrable men who seem to carry branded on their foreheads, we are abstruse, but not quite so abstruse, and we think the Lord intended we should be. One of those men who never quite confess that Washington was great, the kind of man that everybody knows and always will, shrewd, critical, factitious, insincere, and for the most part harmless, I am afraid. But even then, I truly think you ought to tell him something. And I said I would. So in one afternoon, you see, we have the child in absence, or, to say the least, in ominous defect and in excess, commensurate likewise. Now the question is, not which was right and which was wrong, for each, by virtue of one-sidedness, was both. But rather to my mind, as heretofore, is it better to be blinded by the lights or by the shadows? By the lights, you say, the shadows are all devils and the lights gleam guiding and, and eternal. Very good. But while you say so, do not quite forget that sunshine has a devil of its own and one that we for the great craft of him but vaguely recognize. The marvel is that this persuasive and especial devil, by grace of his extreme transparency, precludes all common vision of him. Yet there is one way to glimpse him and a way, as I believe, to test him, granted once that we have ousted prejudice, which means that we have made magnanimous advance through self-acquaintance. Not an easy thing for some of us, impossible maybe for all of us. The woman and the man I cited, for example, would have wrought the most intractable conglomerate of everything if they had set themselves to analyze themselves and not each other. If only for the sake of self-respect, they would have come to no place but the same where from they started. One would have lived a while in paradise without defending it, and one in hell without enjoying it, and each had been dissuaded neither more nor less thereafter. There are such on earth as might have been composed primarily for object lessons. He was one of them, and she, the devil, makes us hesitate. 
It is easy to read words right well with ink that makes a good black mark on smooth white paper. But words are done sometimes with other ink whereof the smooth white paper gives no sign till science brings it out. And here we come to knowledge and the way to test a David. To the greater number of us, you contend, this demon of the sunlight is a stranger. But if you break the sunlight of yourself, project it, and observe the quaint shades of it, I have a shrewd suspicion you may find that even as a name lives unrevealed in ink that waits an agent, so it is the devil or this devil hides himself to all the diagnosis we have made. Save one, sincerity. The quest is hard, as hard as truth, but once we seem to know that his compound obsequiousness prevails unferreted within us, we may find that sympathy which arrows itself to superfluity from you and me may stand against the soul for five or six persistent and indubitable streaks of irritating brilliance out of which a man may read if he have knowledge in him. Proportionate attest of ignorance, hypocrisy, good-heartedness, conceit, indifference, with all of these outhoods by the spiritual inactivity, which more than often is identified with individual intensity and is the parent of that selfishness whereof no end of lesser times and isms are and querulously, and querulously born. But there are things to be considered here, or your machine may never justify the purchase of it. For if you fail to gauge the difference between self-sacrifice and self-contempt, your light will be all devil and your faith deceased. Whatever courage you have left, courage is not enough to make men glad for laughter when that laughter is itself the tribute of recriminating groans nor are the shapes of obsolescent creeds much longer to flit near enough to make men glad for living in a world like this. But wisdom, courage, knowledge and the faith which has the soul and is the soul of reason, these are world's achievers. And the child, the child that is saviour of all ages, the prophet and the poet, the crown-bearer, must yet with love's unhonoured fortitude survive to cherish and attain for us the candor and the generosity by leave of which we smile if we bring back some first ideal flash that wakened us when wisdom like a shaft of dungeon light came searching down to find us. Halfway back I made a mild allusion to the fates, not knowing then that ever I should have dream visions of them painted on the air, clotho, lachesis, atropos. Faint-hued they seem, but with a faintness never fading, unblurred by gloom, unshattered by the sun, still with eternal color, colorless, they move and they remain. The while I write these very words, I see them, Atropos, Lachesis, Clotho, and the last is laughing. When Clotho laughs, Atropos rattles her shears, but Clotho keeps on laughing just the same. Sometime, when I have dreamed that Atropos has laughed, I will tell you how the colors change, the colors that are changeless, colorless. I fear I may have answered Captain Craig's epistle number one with what he chose. Good-humouredly but anxiously to take for something that was not all reverence, from the tone of number two, it seemed almost as if the flanges of the old man's faith had slipped the treacherous rails of my allegiance and left him by the roadside, humorously upset with nothing more convivial to do than be factitious and austere. 
if you do not like don saucer de basson there must be some imperfection in your vitals flamboyant and old fashioned overdone romantico robustious dear young man there are 15000 ways to be one sided and i have indicated two of them already now you bait me with a third as if it were a spider with nine legs but what it is that you would have me do what fatherly wrath you most anticipate i lack the needed impulse to discern if you did not like don cesar de basson however there are comedies in reach that have the fashion always for example at the time when there was not enough of laurel or parnassus to feed quite the boston market an admirable poet undertook with earnest fingers to graft aspodels and old world cypress plumes or apple boughs and at the end of his experiments like john kepler he brought forth a book the book was not sublime but from its hard and uncommutative perversity of words there came like jewels out of sand six measured songs too beautiful to die so i take that self repudiating name perversity and throw it like a spleen to the last and farthest of thalia's kennels though i who shape no songs of any sort i who have made no music thrilled no canvas i who have added nothing to the world the world would reckon save long squandered wit might with half pardonable reverence beguile my faith maybe to the forlorn extent of some sequestered murmuring anent the vanities no doubt i should if mine were the one life that i have lived but with the few good glimpses i have had of heaven through the little holes in hell i do not any longer feel myself to be ordained or even qualified for criticizing god to my advantage if you doubt the true humility of this you doubt the spectrum and if you doubt that you cannot understand what price it was the poet paid at one time and another for those indemnifying sonnet songs that are to be the kernel in which what lives to shrine him when the newborn men come singing nor can you understand what i have read from even the squeezed items of account which i have to my credit in that book whereof the leaves are ages and the text eternity what do i care today for the pages that have nothing i have lived and i have died and i have lived again and i am very comfortable yes though i look back through barren years enough to make me seem as i transmute myself in a downward retrospect from what i am as unproductive and as unconvinced of the living bread and the soul's eternal draught as a frog on a passover cake in a streamless desert still do i trust the light that i have earned and having earned received you shake your head but i do not know that you will shake it off meanwhile i have the flowers and the grass my brothers here the trees and all july to make me joyous why do you shake your head why do you laugh because you are so young do you think if you laugh hard enough the truth will go to sleep do you think of any couch made soft enough to put the truth to sleep do you think there are no proper comedies but yours that have the fashion for example do you think that i forget or shall forget one friendless fat fantastic nondescript who knew the ways of laughter on low roads a vagabond a drunkard and a sponge but always a free creature with a soul for a compliment to your intelligence i bring him back though not without misgivings and i caution you to damn him sparingly count pretzel von versberger the obscene the beggar may have had another name but no man to my knowledge ever knew it 
was a poet and a skeptic and a critic and in his own mad manner a musician he had found an old piano in a bar room and it was his career three nights a week from 10 o'clock to 12 to make it rattle and then when i was just far down enough to sit and watch him with his long straight hair and pity him and think he looked like list i might have glorified a musical steam engine or a xylophone the count played half of everything and improvised the rest he told me once that he was born with a genius in him that prohibited complete fidelity and that is art confessed vagaries therefore but i made kind reckoning of his vagaries then i had the whole great pathos of the man to purify me and all sorts of music to give me spiritual nourishment and cerebral athletics for the count played indiscriminately with an yap and with incurable presto cradle songs and carnivals spring songs and funeral marches the marseillaise and schubert serenade and always in a way to make me think progress had the germ of music in him and when this interesting reprobate began to talk then there were more vagaries he made a reeking fetic of all filth apparently but there was yet revealed about him through his words and on his flesh that ostracizing nimbus of a soul's abject apologetic purity that phosphorescence of sincerity which indicates the curse and the salvation of a life wherein starved art may never perish one evening i remember clearest of all that i passed with him having wrought with his nerve blowing ingenuity the tromerie into a titan's nightmare the man sat down across the table from me and all at once was ominously decent the more we measure what is ours to use he said then wiping his froth plastered mouth with the inside of his hand the less we groan for what the gods refuse i have had that slaved a decade for you now but one more stain and i shall be prevailed upon to read the only sonnet i have ever made and after that if you propitiate gambrinus i shall play you that andant as the world has never heard it played before so saying he produced a piece of paper unfolded it and read sonnet unique de pretzel von verbesner dit lo absein carmichel had a kind of joke disease and he had queer things fastened on his wall there are three green china frogs that i recall more potently than anything for these three frogs have demonstrated by degrees what curse was on the man to make him fall they are not ordinary frogs at all they are the frogs of aristophanes god how he laughed whenever he said that and how we caught from one another's eyes the flash of what a tongue could never tell we always laughed at him no matter what the joke was worth but when a man's brain dies we are not always glad poor carmichael i am a sobug and a necrophile said pretzel and the gods are growing old the stars are singing golden hair to gray green leaf to yellow leaf or chlorophyll to xanthophyll to be more scientific so speed me one more stain you may believe that i am a mendicant but i am not for though it look to you that i go begging the truth is i go giving giving all my strength and all my personality my wisdom and experience myself 
to make it final for your preservation though i be not the one thing or the other though i strike between the sunset and the dawn though i be cliff-rubbed wreckage on the shoals of circumstance doubt not that i compromise with all of my disintegrated zeal far more than my appearance here he comes now drink to good old pretzel drink down pretzel zosus tandem pretzel and o oh lord how long but let regret go hang the good die first and of the poor did many cease to be beethoven after wordsworth preset they were geniuses among the trilobites and i suspect that i was one of them how much of him was earnest and how much fantastic i know not nor do i need profounder knowledge to exonerate to squalor or the folly of a man than a consciousness though even the crude laugh of indigent priapus follow it that i get good of him the poet made six golden sonnets well count pretzel made no golden sort of product i remember except a shield of wisdom for the mind of captain craig whatever you may think of him or his armor if you like him then sometime in the future past a doubt you will have him in a book make meters of him to the great delight of mr kiligrew and the grief of all your kinsmen christian shame and self-confuted orientalism and for the more sagacious of them vulture tracks of my promethean bile for the rest of them and that will be a joke there's nothing quite so funny as a joke that's lost on earth and laughed at by the gods your devil knows it i come to like your mr kiligrew and i rejoice that you speak well of him the sprouts of human blossoming are in him and useful eyes if he will open them but one thing ails the man he smiles too much he comes to see me once or twice a week and i must tell him that he smiles too much if i were socrates how i should do it epistle number 3 was long coming i waited for it even worried for it though kiligrew and of his own free will had written reassuring little scraps from time to time and i had valued them the more for being his the sage he said from all that i can see is doing well i should say very well three meals a day siestas and innumerable pipes not to the tune of water on the stones but rather to the tune of his own ego which seems to be about the same as god but i was always weak in metaphysics and i pray therefore that you be lenient i am going to be married in december and i have made a poem that will scan so plunket says you said the other wouldn't augustus plunket phd and oh the bishop's daughter a very learned man was he and in 12 weeks he got her and oh she was as fair to see as pippins on the pippin tree two twee tibi te chaps in the mill water connotative second and erudite three dots to boot now goodman kiligrew may wind an epic one of these glad years and after that who knoweth but the lord the lord of hosts who is the king of glory still when the captain's own words were before me i seem to read from them or into them the protest of mortuary joy not all substantiating kiligrew's offhand assurance the man's face came back the while i read them and that look again which i had seen so often came back with it 
I do not know that I can say just why, but I felt the feathery touch of something wrong. Since last I wrote, and I fear the weeks have gone too long for me to leave my gratitude, unuttered for its own acknowledgement, I have won without the magic of Amphion. Without the songs of Orpheus or Apollo, the frank regard, and with it, if you like, the fledged respect of three quick-footed friends. Nothing is there more marvellous than man, said Sophocles, and I say after him. He traps and captures all inventive one, the little birds and the creatures of the world, and in his nets, the fishes of the sea. Once they were pictures painted on the air, faint with eternal colour, colourless, but now they are not pictures, they are fowls. At first they stood aloof and cocked their small, smooth, prudent heads at me and made as if with a cryptic, idiotic melancholy to look authoritative and sagacious. But when I tossed a piece of apple to them, they scattered back with a discord of short squacks and then came forward with a craftiness that made me think of Eden. Atropos came first and having grabbed the morsel up, ran flapping far away and out of sight. With Clotho and Lachesis hard after her, but finally the three fared all alike. And the next day I persuaded them with corn. In a week they came and had it from my fingers and looked up at me while I pinched their bills and made them sneeze. Corn Pretzel's Carmichael had said they were not ordinary birds at all, and they are not. They are the fates, foredoomed of their own insufficiency to be assimilated. Do not think, because in my contented isolation, it suits me at this time to be jocose, that I am nailing reason to the cross, or that I set the bubble and the bells. Above the crucible, for I do not, say not, but with an ancient levity, that is the phobia of all earnestness. The cross, I said, I had a dream last night, a dream not like to any other dream that I remember. I was all alone, sitting as I do now beneath a tree, but looking not as I am looking now, against the sunlight. There was neither sun nor moon, nor do I think of any stars. Yet there was light, and there were cedar trees, and there were sycamores. I lay at rest, or should have seemed at rest, within a trough between two giant roots. A weariness was on me, and I would have gone to sleep, but I had not the courage. If I slept, I feared that I should never wake again, and if I did not sleep, I should go mad, and with my own dull tools, which I had used with wretched skill so long, hack out my life. And while I lay there, tortured out of death, great waves of cold, as if the dead were breathing, came over me and through me, and I felt quick, fearful tear of anguish on my face and in my throat, but soon in the distance, concealed, importunate, there was a sound of coming steps, and I was not afraid. No, I was not afraid then. I was glad, for I could feel with every thought the man, the mystery, the child, a footfall nearer. Then, when he stood for me, there was no surprise. There were no questioning. I knew him, as I had known him always, and he smiled. Why are you here? he asked, and reaching down. He took up my dull blades and rubbed his thumb across the edges of them and then smiled once more. I was a carpenter, I said, but there was nothing in the world to do. Nothing, said he. No, nothing, I replied. But are you sure, he asked, that you have skill? And are you sure that you have learned your trade? No, you are not. 
He looked at me and laughed as he said that, but I did not laugh then. Although I might have laughed, they are dull, said he. They were not very sharp if they were ground, but they are what you have, and they will earn what you have not. So take them as they are, grind them and clean them, put new handles to them, and then go learn your trade in Nazareth. Only be sure that you find Nazareth. But if I starve, what then? said I. He smiled. Now I call that as curious a dream as ever Meligar's mother had, Enya's, Alcibiades, or Jacob. I will not accept the scientist who dreamed that he was Adam and that he was Eve at the same time, or yet that other man who dreamed that he was Asyclus reborn to clutch, combine, compensate, and adjust the plunging and unfathomable chorus wherein we catch like a bacchanale through thunder, the chanting of the new humanites, implacable, renascent, farcical, triumphant, and American. He did it, but he did it in a dream. When he awoke, one phrase of it remained, one verse of it went singing through the remnant of his life like a bagpipe through a madhouse. He died young, and the more I ponder the small history that I have gleaned of him by scattered roads, the more do I rejoice that he died young. That measure would have chased him all his days, defeated him, deposed him, wasted him and shrewdly ruined him, though in that ruin there would have lived as always it has lived, in ruin as in failure, the supreme fulfillment unexpressed, the rhythm of God that beats unheard through songs of shattered men who dream but cannot sound it. He declined from all that I have never learned of him, with absolute good humor, no complaint, no groaning at the burden which is light, no brain waste of impatience, never mind, he whispered, for I might have written Odes. Speaking of Odes now makes me think of ballads. Your admirable Mr. Killigrew has latterly committed what he calls a ballad of London, London town of course, and he has wished that I pass judgment on it. He says there is a generosity about it and a sympathetic insight and there are strong lines in it, so he says. But who am I that he should make of me a judge? You are his friend and you know best, the measure of his jingle. I am old and you are young. Be sure I may go back to squeak for you the tunes of yesterday on my old fiddle or what's left of it, and give you as I am able a young sound. But all the while I do it, I remain one of Apollo's pensioners and yours, an usher in the palace of the sun, a candidate for mattocks and trambons, the brass band will be indispensable, a patron of high science, but no critic. So I shall have to tell him, I suppose, that I read nothing now but Wordsworth, Pope, Lucretius, Robert Burns, and William Shakespeare. Now this is Mr. Killigrew's performance. Say, do you go to London town, you with the golden feather? And if I go to London town with my golden feather? These autumn roads are bright and brown, the season wears a russet crown. And if you go to London town, we will go down together. I cannot say for certain, but I think the brown bright nightingale was half assuaged before your Mr. Killigrew was born. If I have erred in my chronology, no matter, for the feathered man sings now. Yes, I go to London town, merrily waved the feather. And if you go to London town, 
yes we will go together so in the autumn bright of brown just as the year began to frown all the way to london town rode the two together i go to marry a fair maid lightly swung the feather pardy a true and loyal maid o oh, the swinging feather for us the wedding gold is weighed for us the feast will soon be laid we will make a gallant show he said she and i together the feathered man will do a thousand things and the world will go smiling but the feathered man may do too much now mark how he continues and you you go to london town breezes wave the feather yes i go to london town ah the stinging feather why do you go my merry blade like me to marry a fair maid why do i go god knows he said and on they rode together now you have read it through and you know best what worth it has we fellows with gray hair who march with sticks to music that is great judge not your vanguard fifing you are one to judge and you will tell me what you think barring the town the fair maid and the feather the dialogue and those parentheses you cherish it undoubtedly pardi you call it with a few conservative allowances an excellent small thing for patience inexperienced to do derivative you say still rather pretty but what is wrong with mr killigrew is he in love or has he read rossetti forgive me i am old and doddering when are you coming back to tilbury town i could forgive the captain soon enough but killigrew there was a question there nor was it answered when the next week brought a letter from him after rocketing for 6 or 7 pages about love truth purity the passion of the soul and other salutary attributes discovered or miraculously born within 6 months he said the patriarch is not quite as he should be there's a clutch of something on him that will not let go and there are days together when his eyes are like two lamps in ashes the gray look which we thought once the glory and the crown of your too flexible determinist has gone all over him and when he laughs he waits as if to hear the angels weep it seems to make him sorry when he laughs and i know what it does to me but here as at the station i remember that the quantitative bias of the boy may slant me too much to the other side and make me blind again by joe old man if you could really know her as i do it would be the revelation of your life you would see that there are women in the world who are altogether different etc there was more generosity in women i thought than in the man without the feather meanwhile i saw that captain craig was dying end of poem this recording is in the public domain